This is your place's call. You're listening to Theatrical Thoughts. I'm Emily Wyra. And I'm Jessica Fight. And today we are joined by Jason Sweet Tooth Williams. Jason is best known for originating the roles of Mr. Here and Mr. Riaz in Be More Chill on Broadway. Jason, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? Uh, well, thank you for having me on. And I'm and I'm fine. I'm great. You know, I'm I'm as good as as weird weather summer pandemic life will allow. <laughs> um, but all is good, and I'm glad to be here. We are so glad to have you. And it is weird weather. It's we're all on the East Coast, and it's I'm like looking outside my window as if something's gonna change. It's just like very creepy out. It looks like something's gonna bad's gonna happen, and I'm a little yeah. Bad. It's there's like some like wicked vibes happening, right? Yeah. <laughs> Before the overture, we're just getting some yeah, exactly. nice creepy winds over here. <laughs> exactly. It's a good thing for our Tuesday night. <laughs> yeah. So, right. <laughs> I swear, if we lose power or anything during this podcast, but it'd be like spooky. It'd be fun. Spooky. It'd be we should air this on Halloweens because if we're gonna get Halloween vibes. <laughs> <laughs> so as always, we love to start off our show with our sixty-second life story segment. So I'm gonna start off my very official iPhone stopwatch, and Jason, you're gonna give us, you know, your whole life in a minute. No pressure at all. Totally. <laughs> Wait, so it's actually sixty seconds? Oh, oh it's actually oh, 60 yeah. seconds. Like I'm gonna hold you to this. <laughs> all right. Okay. All right, I'm ready. My cracked iPhone screen. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. <laughs> All right, here we go. Okay, uh, my name is Jason Sweet Tooth Williams. Um, I am from the East Coast. I was born in Connecticut and raised there as well. Uh, I was very interested in many things as a kid, theater being one of them and turned out to be the main thing that interested me. When I was old enough to go to college, I ended up going to Emerson College in Boston, where I studied acting and musical theater and all sorts of things like that. And came to New York City trying to make it in that world. Wow, I just skipped like, I went from zero to, to 18 to 22. I'm at 22, oh my God. And so then I moved to the city and I started uh, my career. Uh, I, I was very interested in musical theater and making uh, new musicals, working on new roles was like my big thing. I luckily, thankfully met my, my dear friend, Joe Iconis, and he and I have been partners in crime uh, since then. Um, I'm married now, I live in Queens, I have two children, um, and I'm very proud of them, and, and I'm happy to get past this pandemic into the new world. Amazing! Yes. I the new world like I was discovering America. I'm ready to get to the new world. That's how you feel. Here we are. I feel like everybody keeps using that jargon, like the new world, and I'm like, are we because we have a shot in our arm now it's like our whole world has changed <laughs> absolutely it's a, it's an important shot it's oh, important we shot. were celebrating big time yeah good me too so grateful for that thing yeah so growing up in connecticut you said right yeah so i just gave you <laughs> i gave you like the really i guess everyone does but that was a crazy snapshot of my life <laughs> So now growing up, I guess, how did you sort of stumble into the arts? Well, um, my mother was always very musical and she used to teach um, like music therapy to, to children in need. And that was sort of a thing that I realized there was power there to, to music and to like um, what music can do for, for the release of mental illness and, and relief from mental illness and um, and how it empowers uh, children suffering from that sort of thing. 
So I was always sort of into that. And we had, there was a lot of music in my life as a kid and, and growing up. Um, but I also, I was really into like the saxophone. I played the saxophone as a kid and I was just really into music in general. And that sort of started to intertwine with, with this idea that I could um, maybe also stand on a stage in front of people. Um, and I was really fortunate actually as a kid, I, I lived not far from the Goodspeed Opera House, which is a, a regional theater in Connecticut. And I was in a show there as like the local kid when I was like 10 years old. And um, it was this, it was Here's Love, which is the Meredith Wilson um, Miracle on 34th Street musical. And I played like a boy, a young boy who wanted like a Christmas toy. Uh, but it was a, an amazing experience. And I, I worked with Jan Maxwell was in that cast and, and like all these crazy people. And I didn't know it at the time, but these were like preeminent, you know, actors in the world. And I so I, I always was like, I want to get back to that standard of, of, of person and a performer, even though I was only like 10 at the time, I felt like I knew there was something going on there for me and also for them. And, and I, I was hooked early on in that way. But I don't know, I think I got into um, Sondheim early, you know, uh, it was my gateway drug, I think, into into musical theater. And I was like super obsessed with the um, Into the Woods Great Performances PBS video, which I like wore out on my on my my um, VCR and also the, the uh, Sunday in the Park with George video. And so I, I was just very like inspired by that and and decided I was going to like have a go of it. I didn't know at the time how impossibly hard uh it can be the world of this of this uh, musical theater life can be um but i think because i didn't know that it didn't deter me and now that i do know that i have no regrets and it's it's been a wonderful journey that's incredible i love the sort of origin story with your mom and sort of finding it that way that's so cool and the into the woods pbs recording is perfect i mean it's you know it's as classic as a thing could be I was literally forcing my friend to watch it last night. She was like, I've only ever seen the movie. I'm like, no, no. last night. I watched it last night. Oh, perfect. Oh my God. Amazing. Wow. So I'm really curious because I feel like you must get this question all the time. How did the sweet tooth come about? I had a feeling that was going to come up. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's when I was younger, I was very into um, when I say younger, I mean like high school younger. Um, I was very into like rap and spoken word and poetry and that sort of thing. And, and I, I started to like write things and perform them at like parties for my friends and things. And essentially it was like my rap name. And so then when I went to college, I would like, you know, go to over to friends' houses at college in college and, and sort of freestyle for everybody and talk about the situation and my friends and all that. And so the nickname sort of stuck there. Um, and as I got older, you know, it, it's, it's, it kept coming around and people just were calling me Sweet Tooth. And when I joined Actors' Equity, which is the, which is the Actors' Union, there was already a Jason Williams in the union and you have to have a unique singular name. And so I, I asked the woman if I could, you know, have, have Jason Sweet Tooth be my, my official name. And she said, yeah, if that if that's like what you actually want to do. And I said, that is what I actually want to do. And it's been that way ever since. And I keep waiting for um, 
somebody to be like, hey, you're 40 years old. Like when, are you, when is that gonna like phase out? And I, I'm just not ready to let it go. So for now, it is my rap name and will forever be my rap name. Yeah, I mean, I think that's so cool, so unique. Yeah, I mean, I like it. And if nothing else, at least um, people, it, it starts a conversation. So it's, you know. Definitely a good icebreaker. <laughs> it is a good icebreaker. But now sometimes people are like, okay, well, rap for me then. Like, why, which I'm like, not as, you know, into any. You're like, no, 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 you're not understanding how this came about. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. But it's cool. I like it. So I'm sticking with it. That's awesome. So now you ended up being a part of the off-Broadway and Broadway cast of Be More Chill. So how did you book that? Like, what was your audition story? Um, well, it was actually really kind of um, non-traditional, I would say, because I, I've worked with Joe Iconis for years and years. Um, I met him in like 2004 and, and he and I were like fast friends early when I first met him. And we were sort of collaborators before we were friends. And, and I was, I was cast in his thesis musical when he was at in grad school. And so I met him that way. And I was always like this huge fan of his right from the start, because I just think he's the best. And, and from that, our friendship evolved just from, from time spent together and, and having like-minded, you know, goals in life and, and thoughts about the world and musical theater and, um, so anyway, I had this history with Joe and I, I worked on a bunch of stuff with him over his career and in my career. And there was actually an earlier workshop of Be More Chill prior to the Two River production, um, which is the, the sort of the production that then launched the whole, the whole thing, the whole sort of phenomenon of it. And which I was not in that production, but I was in an early workshop of that production and uh, playing, playing Mr. Hare and Mr. Reyes and you know, I loved the piece, obviously, like I was a huge fan of it. And I think it was pretty clear at that time, you know, this was maybe what, 2015, 16, I don't even remember now. But but even that sort of distance uh, from now, I was a bit younger. And, and I just, I think it was like not realistic that I would be anybody's father, any, and like a teenager's father. Um, and so that and, and just I, I wasn't able to be a part of the the two river production and so i was bummed about that but i was like a huge fan of it i saw it multiple times at two river and then there slowly started to be this like percolating like buzz about be more chill on the internet and i remember being like at a bar with joe one night and him, and him being like hey this is like so weird but you know people are starting to like make fan art for be more chill and there's like all this like online stuff happening for Be More Chill. And I feel like it's like a thing. And then the album streams just start to like go through the roof on Spotify. And and he he had this like property now that was like this thing he, he, he didn't know what to do with. And so anyway, that's sort of how it became, how it went from that to Off-Broadway. People were, were finally interested and were like, hey, this is a thing. Um, and I said to him, I said, listen, I am older now. And also Joe doesn't like cast all the shows. There's many people that have that make those decisions. But I, I said, whatever I need to do, I want to be a part of this show. And I want to play that role. I think I can I can bring something to it. And I like I will do whatever I have to do. Um, and it worked out, you know, uh, Paul Witte, who's the actor who played it at Two River, who's a fantastic actor and who I know now for some years. Um, 
he happened to be working on another project at the time. And so I kind of just slipped right in there. So I actually didn't have like a, a traditional audition for the show. I actually like just, I also knew the director. I'd worked with him on a previous project. And so I think my name kind of got tossed around a little bit until everyone was like, okay, yeah, that, that seems good. Um, and, you know, it was a little intimidating coming in because the show at this point was now was now a thing and most of the cast not all of it but most of the cast was from that original production and i wanted to fit into the vibe and i knew a lot of them externally but um coming into that off-broadway thing was like stepping into you know disney world or some kind of crazy like magical thing that i hoped i could do justice to so i was really um you know thrilled and it changed my life really yeah, absolutely. That's such a cool kind of hop into it way, like how to get into it. That's wild. Well, you know, I think I think the real the lesson of that story is that really what I think with acting and in theater and probably anything you do, what gets you ahead in the world is like your connection to other people. And I think if you are someone that people want to be around and work with, um, it gets you, it pays off dividends in the end, you know, and so I just think it's always, you always have to remember that this person who I'm meeting now might be someone that I will get to be in a room with five years down the line. And so I better bring my best self to them and, and offer my best self uh, for what they want to bring to it, so. Yeah, absolutely. That's excellent advice. I think it spans across all professions. Right? Yeah, yeah, I really do, likewise. So I guess coming into that off-Broadway production, like you said, be more chill sort of blew up. I mean, I'm sure that there came a lot of pressure with that. What would you say was sort of the most challenging aspect of stepping into the show? Well, you know, there was a shorthand about the show that some of the performers already had uh, that I was nervous, like I said, to sort of step into, but it, it very quickly was like, you know, Stephen Brackett, the director and, and Joe Iconis and Joe Trace who wrote the book, everyone, was like this is a new this is going to be a new production we're, we're going to take this thing that we know and love and we're gonna we're going to amplify the parts that we feel deserve to be amplified and we're going to rework the parts that we feel like didn't work so well so it very quickly became a new production and i think even for the people that were there you know um lauren and katie and george and and, and stephanie and all these people that were there and, and uh, gerard they also were suddenly learning new stuff and new choreography and new new blocking and new scenes and new songs and so it very quickly became this thing that we were all doing together which put me at ease obviously and just became a, a, a lightning in a bottle sort of uh, situation where we were all just brainstorming and coming up with you know new ideas and and felt very fresh and fun yeah definitely so now on the flip side what would you say was the most rewarding part well, you know, I never, I, I've had many fortunate things happen to me in my life and in my career. And I'm, I'm really, I can look back on some great accomplishments and be thankful for them. But I never in my life imagined what the reception uh, to Be More Chill would be from the fans of Be More Chill. I, ne I, I never experienced the, the very first preview that we did um, off Broadway. As soon as the lights dimmed, it was like, screaming like you know like a beatles concert or like elvis or some kind of crazy like thing that i never never could have imagined and um 
from that moment until we closed on Broadway, the fans of Be More Chill have been the absolute best part about it. I mean, the 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 reception that they gave us and and the the connection that they felt to the show and to all of us, it just felt so genuine and important. You know, we would meet people after the show and the stage door became this like crazy thing who who really like, genuinely like were moved by the show and 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 it, the show like sort of changed their lives in a lot of ways um, and made them feel more seen and more accepted or gave them courage or just gave them something to like give them some joy while they went through a hard time and i felt like there was a real responsibility at some point from all of us to impart this show to the people that were that were being touched by it in that way and I, and I would say like particularly you know people young people and um young lgbtq plus and trans people you know young trans kids and there was a message there about acceptance that i think they hadn't seen in such a in such a like public way that they really responded to and um was just like the most rewarding part of it for for me and i think for many of us yeah, absolutely. I think seeing Be More Chill was one of those shows for me, like as I started becoming more into theater, I just seeing the reception of the theater community to that show was just so profound. Like it was just such a resounding response and it must've been so cool to get to be a part of that. It was, it was. And you know, I also think Joe, um, Joe's music, Joe Iconis' music has a certain effect on people too. He's, he's one of these like songwriters that, um, can put a song in front of you that you think is going to be one thing and starts off as that thing and then flips itself on its head and and i think as a songwriter i think people just are like respond to him in, in such a visceral way and um get hooked to him and his and his material and so that was that was also an amazing part to be able to like deliver some of that material yeah for sure yeah. and you've mentioned you've worked with joe quite a bit through the years yeah. So I guess what experiences with him have sort of stood out for you? What about his writing has resonated with you, especially? Well, um, you know, I, I think when I when I left college, I, I was a little I wasn't positive that I wanted to be a musical theater actor. I, I wanted to be an actor, but I just I, you know, I felt a little bit like, is this really for me? Is this my style? Um, and when I met Joe and I and I and I heard uh, the black suits was the, was the piece that I was in with with him early on of his and I, I just there was something about it where I was like I get this guy and I his material speaks to me I was like as a person I just feel like I respond to the vibe and to the the like I said the sort of creative songwriting and the crafting of the material I thought he was super smart and I respected him in that way and um and I think he's also hilarious. And so we just like vibed, I think, early on. And so um, throughout my entire career with him, which is like intrinsically linked to him, I, I feel like he's always stretching himself as, a, as an artist. And so it's forcing me to stretch myself as an artist. And so it's been a nice, um, he's been my touchstone as I've, as I've grown older as a, and as a person as an, and as an artist to like see what I can do and see, the, and see, um, you know what i can what i can bring to the table for him because i want to like live up to what he's working on but as as far as particular projects um you know there's so many things i mean 
the black suits, I really was like a foundation for me as, as a piece because I felt like um, that was a show. And, and for people that don't know what it is, it's like a, a garage band. There's a story of a garage band in Long Island. And it's like four young guys who are like trying to like win the battle of the bands. And that's the, the simplified version of it. But I played the drummer of the band. And he was this sort of like misunderstood um, young guy who who wasn't maybe always as respected as the other guys. He felt like a little bit of a loner in the band. And, and I don't know, it spoke to me as a person at that time. And so I, that is like a, a, like a, a piece for me that I've anchored in. Um, and then many other things since, but, but um, Blood Song of Love was a piece that uh, he wrote. It was a rock and roll spaghetti Western musical. And we did it at Ars Nova and it just felt like this real statement about about being an artist and staying true to yourself and creating the art that you want to create with the people that you want to create it and it's um it remains for me a sort of high watermark um artistically and emotionally and uh cemented i think for me our relationship as as friends and collaborators and made me say like whatever this person creates or asks me to do i will be there like I, I know that in my heart that this is like the type of art that I want to make and I want to make it with this guy and other people, but of course, but um, I would like drop whatever I'm doing. If Joe was like, come sing the song, I am there. That's incredible. It's so cool that you get to work with someone so closely when you relate to his material so much. I think that, that must make it super easy to do your job, I'm sure. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it, um, it's very rewarding for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess sort of reflecting on your work with Joe, um, how would you say that your performance has like, perf performance, wow, that's a word, <laughs> has like grown through the years as you've gotten to work with him more and like how your sort of craft, I guess, has developed through the years? Um, yeah, I, you know, like I said, I think he's also always growing as an artist. And so he's challenging himself to write more complex characters and, uh, more complex music and, and not like complex for being complex sake, but just like more, more deeply thought out um, uh, moments and, and, and dramatic moments in life. And he's exploring those in a new way. So I feel like we're always like together in, um, in like, he's going to put something in front of me and, and I'll say, can I rise to that occasion? Um, he, he gives, and he'll he'll say this too, but he really celebrates people in life that are often marginalized or made to feel less than or weird or outcasts. And um, I've you know I know what it's like to feel that way. And so I think um, I think I've grown as an artist because I am able to explore parts of myself through his art that. Um, that then reveal themselves hopefully in, in what I create. So um, every time there's a new song that I get to work on, it, it's it's something that um, hopefully is revealing something in myself and 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 makes me better as a, as a performer. Yes, absolutely. So now switching gears, before we started filming, we were chatting beforehand and we were talking about ASL and about that I was gonna be, become an interpreter when I'm older. And you were mentioning a production that you did that utilized ASL. So can you tell us about that experience? Well, yeah, you know, I also worked um, 
I've worked in many theaters over the years as like an usher and as a house manager. I've sort of done the, like a million jobs in theaters. And I've seen many shows that were, that have like a special uh, night for the deaf community where they have ASL um, interpreters, you know, just down on the lip of the stage, um, you know, uh, signing the whole show. And, you know, to be able to like see them them do it. Actually, the most kind of impressive thing I saw was, um, uh, what was the production? It was, um, oh, um, the Robber Bridegroom. There was a production like a couple of years ago that Roundabout did of this musical from the 70s called Robber Bridegroom uh, with Stephen Pasquale and like all these amazing people, but they were rehearsing the show and, um, you know, they're like signing many characters at once. It's three, it's three you know, signers and to see them interpret the, the material um, with their faces and their hands is, is a really amazing thing. And I think for any actor or any artist to see that you, it really reminds you that there are many ways to express yourself that don't involve your voice and, um, uh, or your ears. And, and so uh, it's just a really amazing thing to see. And uh, I've done a couple performances of shows with, with ASL performers down on the lip of the stage. And the only tricky thing about it is that it's so impressive to me that I wanna, I wanna stop and watch it because it's just, it's just an amazing thing. And I also like, I, my brother for years and years was with uh, a girlfriend who taught at the American School for the Deaf and, um, so there was just like a lot of ASL, I felt like in my life at, at a certain point. And so I just like think it's an amazing skill. And, um, Me too. you know, especially, <laughs> you know, yeah. And it's one thing to like interpret, say a speech, a political speech or something, which is also impressive, but interpreting music, I think is, is, a, is a, a really special gift. And it's just a, a fantastic thing. And I, I, I was fortunate enough to see the Deaf West uh, production of Spring Awakening, as I was telling you. And actually, that was my first like foray into Spring Awakening. So I kind of only know it as as a show that is deaf inter interpreted for the deaf. Um, and I just thought it like that show in particular just felt so um, moving uh, in that way and being told by by mostly deaf performers, I think that production was. And, um, you know, so it's a really cool thing. I'm glad you're that you're a part of that world. Yeah. You're saying you, and you're, yeah, and knowing from experience, like from signing songs, because I've done that as projects, that in itself is not an easy task. Even if I do like 32 bars of a song that I'm signing, there's so much prep work that has to go into it. Right, if, sure. Like as I'm becoming more fluent, like it's still, it's a lot. So the fact that people can interpret a show, like an entire show, like 20 minutes on, 20 minutes off is very impressive. Yeah, no, it's very cool. Yeah. yeah. Good for you for doing that too. Oh, thank you. And I just think it's so cool that you've been able to see shows with that. And I love that there are shows where interpreters come and it's a deaf-friendly performance, which is, I think, incredible. Yeah, for sure. I love seeing this the sort of future of theater, like this stuff that we're starting to see in the in this art form that is becoming so revolutionary and it's incredible to see. I so many mad props to you too, Jesse. I could definitely not sign a whole song. It takes so much expression. <laughs> not easy. That's where my actor skills come into play, the <laughs> expression side of it. 
<laughs> so cool. So now sort of um, talking about, you know, the elephant in the room, there's this little global pandemic thing that we all went through, sort of the whole world of theater shut down, kind of tragic. <laughs> so I guess what have you been up to throughout the past year and how has this pandemic sort of shaped how you look at the arts, I suppose? Yeah. Um... That's a huge question. There's a lot of stuff there. You um, know, just packing it all in and what? <laughs> right. No, it's great. Um, I was fortunate enough that my 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 parents live nearby, still in Connecticut, where I grew up, as I mentioned in that first 60 seconds. Um, and so early in the pandemic, I spent some time there with my wife and kids. And um, it felt very bizarre to be like, you know, removed from my home but also like in a safe place but also you know like all of us just just trying to, to find out what was next the weird thing about being a theater artist is that um not only were like people losing their jobs but the entire industry was gone and so um you know being an actor or, or a theater person is hard enough in the best of times because you know rejection is sort of part of your life um but but there's always the hope that you're going to get the next job or, or, or the next opportunity. And so to have that completely removed um, was very um, depressing, you know, and um, disheartening. Um, luckily, uh, I think the theater community in particular, because we were all wounded by this moment in history, came together and, and really was like, you know, looking for ways to to create art, on, you know, on the, on the internet and, and Zoom and all these things, um, which, you know, some were more satisfying than others uh, to be a part of and to, and to watch. But, but there was still this sense of like, we will not let this die. Like we will not let our spirit die and we will not let this art form die. And I think also theater is about telling stories ultimately. And storytelling is an, an age old, um, idea, you know, from cave drawings to now, there's like this this need, this human need to tell a story. And so I feel like there was no, there, there's no part of this that could have um, stopped that human necessity to, to share. Um, and so that kind of kept me going. And, you know, the news that Broadway was going to start reopening and all that was very exciting, but it's also weird because you know, just because something reopens doesn't mean that you get to be a part of it. I mean, you can go watch it, but as an actor, you're like, I, I'm, I'm happy for all my friends that are about to be in shows, but I'm not reopening a show right now. And so it comes with this own, its own sense of like, oh, what am I going to do now that it's like, I don't have this like COVID, um, not excuse, but this, this COVID backdrop to my career now to, to, to start um, navigating in, in the same way. Um, so I don't know. I mean, tricky, but um, but I'm but I'm excited for the future of it all. And I also will say, you know, we lost a lot of people to it. There really were a lot of um, theater people. Obviously, many people in the world from all walks of life. But there were a lot of theater people that died from this disease, and um, you know, they should be mourned and and um, remembered. You know, it's 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 all it's. I think it's it's kind of exciting when Broadway comes back, but I think it should also give us pause to to say, but we now don't have this person in the in the community to come back either. So, 
it's sad. It, you know, it's it, it's a it was a really sort of terrible moment in history. But um, hopefully, if we can encourage people to keep getting vaccinated and and doing what they need to to, to stop the thing, we can actually come back. Yeah, definitely. So I guess, what would you say is your favorite non-Beamerichal project that you've been a part of? Um, I, have, I mean, I have a few, I mean, many things that I loved doing. One thing I did shortly before Be More Chill was um, a musical version of Benny and June, which, which, is a, which is a movie from the 90s. You two probably don't remember it, um, but it was a, uh, a uh, Johnny Depp movie uh, about a guy who, this like kind of weirdo stranger guy played by Johnny Depp, who comes into the lives of these uh, this brother and sister who are older and she's suffering from uh, mental illness. And um, anyway, Johnny Depp kind of comes in and shakes up their world. So I did this musical version of it and I played this like mechanic at the um, at the garage where, where the, the brother worked. Uh, and I just loved the material. I loved the music and it was such a beautiful story. Um, but one of the most exciting parts about it is the guy who played the Johnny Depp character uh, was an actor named Bryce Pinkham who, you know, was nominated for a Tony for Gentleman's Guide and he's about my age and, and um, he was one of these actors that I that I was so thrilled to get a chance to work with and he lived up to every moment of that for me and he was someone in rehearsal who always like tried new things and was really receptive to you trying new things. And he and I had some fun moments together. Um, and so I feel like artistically that was very satisfying for me. Um, I also got to work on the original productions of Freaky Friday for, for Disney. And um, that was just a blast. You know, the music was fantastic. Um, Heidi Blickenstaff who played, uh, the, you know, the main woman, Catherine and, um, uh, Emma Hunton, who played Ellie, the two leads were like amazing to be with and such talents. And I got to travel the country a little bit with my my newly born daughter and wife. And I know that was a really sort of special time for us and working on a new musical for Disney. It just felt like a really sort of like exciting moment uh, in life. And, and it was, it was great. That's amazing. Freaky Friday has such a great cast album too. I It's so good, that. right? It's so like, good. I love it. It's so good. I think I heard it for the first time like a couple of years back and I was just like, how have I never heard this before? It's so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, like it's all bops. It's all fun songs. And like the vocal performances are insane. Heidi and, and Emma particularly are just like, um, you know, like off the charts. And actually, um, Alan Green, who's also on that album uh, as an actor, was in this show that I got to... Um, right with Joe Iconis and he was he was one of our he was our leading man and so like the world meshed together in this moment and I'm like his biggest fan oh my god that's such a cool full circle type moment yeah exactly so I didn't know that you wrote on that Broadway Bounty Hunter so what was that sort of like how did you get into that sphere yeah well um so Joe um and our friend Lance uh Ruben who's also a writer we've known each other for years from that black suits um reading years and years ago we were all in that together and we've been good friends since then and we um 
we're kind of hanging out one night. We were performing at a benefit and we were huge fans of Annie Golden, who was also in that Black Suits uh, reading. Um, and she she plays, um, you know, Norma on um, uh, Orange is the New Black. And she was the original genie in the movie Hair. She's like, had this like long storied career. But anyway, we were like huge fans of hers. And we thought, wouldn't it be awesome if she was like this action hero? Cause she's like this like really um, fiery, amazing, uh, woman from Brooklyn and she's just like got this like energy and this and this like punk vibe that that we just love and so we sort of write it we, we started writing this um treatment of a show sort of for her that ended up becoming more of more than a joke and it ended up like sort of becoming a real thing that we wanted to work on um and over the years we were starting to work on it at some regional theaters and we had this like thing and luckily we you know the stars aligned and we were able to do it off broadway um last year or 2019 and um yeah so that that part of the process was crazy because i was also doing be more chill at the time so you know i was doing wearing my actor hat at night and my writer hat in the in the day and it was like it was pretty dreamy you know it was a nice it was a nice time to be with with my friends and and making new new musicals and it was very cool. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. So I guess kind of wrapping up, if you had to give one piece of advice to your past self, what would that be? Hmm, to my past self. Well, um, you know, this is something I've sort of discovered as my life has gone on. Um, so maybe I realized parts of this already as my young self, but uh, I think that there's no right way to be an artist, you know, and probably as a person, but, um, you know, there's no path that you have to take to succeed. You know, there's, there's such a pressure, I think, especially on musical theater actors to be like, I'm, I'm young and I want to, and I, and I want to be on Broadway or I want to do this thing. And, um, and if that doesn't happen for you immediately, it feels disappointing, you know, um, but there are so many avenues to to create, to sing, to perform. Um, and so to not worry about, you know, carving a specific path, but let the path kind of carve itself. Um, and I've discovered that as I've gotten older, but um, I feel like, you know, in my in my younger days, I, I was stressed about like, huh, like I, I have to do, how am I going to do this? I have to do this. But turns out I was already doing it. Um, and to, to just like let yourself um, be in the moment in your life. And I also heard this, this piece of advice from uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, who's like one of my favorite actors ever, um, to like never turn down an opportunity to be an actor. And I don't think that even means necessarily a job, but I just think whatever being an actor means to you, whether it's, um, you know, exploring a new character or showing up on time for something or whatever, like being an actor is to always try to be the best version of that um, for yourself, you know? And I think um, I just love that advice because there are so many opportunities in life where we're like, oh, I don't, I don't feel like it today. I'm tired or I'm busy or, or something. But if you remind yourself that this is an opportunity to do the thing that you love, then you should do it a hundred percent. And I think that's like something I, I could have told myself earlier when I was a little uh, less responsible in life, um, 
but it all worked out and here I am. So younger self, um, always be acting and don't stress too much. That is very accurate. And a very <laughs> Jason, thank you so much for taking the time today. We cannot tell you how much we appreciate it. It's been so incredible to get to talk to you. Seriously. Thank yeah, you. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Like, it's great. Yeah, we loved having you on. And to connect with Jason on Instagram, follow at Jason Sweet Tooth, where you can keep up to date on his latest projects. Be sure to follow Theatrical Thoughts at Theatrical Thoughts Podcast on Instagram as well. Thank you so much Don't for listening. <laughs> follow all the things. Um, and thank you for listening. And we will see you in the next one. Bye. Take care. Thank you so much. <laughs>